Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Center Point Podcast. My name's Billy. And I'm Lowell. And we're here just hanging out with you, hopefully helping you to understand God's Word a little more as we work through the world together. It's been a kind of neat journey as we started with the front of the Bible and looking at the First Testament. We've worked through, I guess, the first five chapters, you might say, in the last couple weeks. And today we arrive at Genesis chapter 6. We're going to look today at... At, we call it Noah's flood, but I don't think that's really right. I mean, it's God's flood. Um, it was kind of Noah's ark. So we're going to look at the flood and the account that is described in Genesis 6 through 9. And and before we get into that, though, it it kind of starts in chapter 6 with uh, with a sad sort of beginning where, mm-hmm. where God has some regret. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever regretted anything? Who, me? That's no. <laughs> no. What comes to your mind when you, when you think of a, a life regret? And we don't, we don't need like the most, you know, troubling time of your life or anything. <laughs> but but what's, what's a life regret that you've experienced? Um, I'll throw one out from college. Um, Pastor Brock and I played college together, and during a game, he injured his shin really badly, and he got a huge knot on his shin, so much so that it, it just hurt him to even touch it. And after a game, I had one of those big cassette tape holders. Yeah, right, and, right. Uh, so I was just like, what, early 90s then? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. And uh, we were getting in the van. And he had his leg propped up because it was hurt. It hurt so bad, and I wasn't thinking. It was a big fifteen passenger van. I just threw my cassette, big cassette case in, and it landed right on that huge injury. on his shin. Right on his shin. Oh, that's it's the like worst. It's like a knot on his shin. Yeah. No, no, no flesh here. Just bone. It was like yeah. a bone bruise. And uh, he didn't say a word. He just just made this weird sound. As soon as it left my hand. I was filled with regret. Like a time stopped, didn't it? It was like slow motion. I yes. Like, ah! Isn't that weird how that happens where you know at the moment that this is something I'm going to regret. There's yeah. our word. There's as soon our as, word. As soon as I set that in motion, I looked and saw what was going to happen. Well, the reason why we're using that as an entry is in Genesis 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that this this phrase, listen to this phrase. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm. I mean, over and over and over, the Lord there is trying to say, man is sinful, man is sinful, man is sinful. Mm -hmm. I mean, every intention, the thoughts of his heart, only evil continually. Mm. And verse 6 says, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Mm -hmm. The NIV says there at the end of seven, again, he says, for I regret that I've made them. Yeah. And so we know, let's just give a kind of a, you know, quick overview of the, of the account here of what happened. So God regrets, but yet Noah is a righteous man. Mm-hmm. So he calls for Noah to build this large boat mm-hmm. and a miracle of miracle. I mean, Noah was able to do it. It took him a hundred years. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. years to do it. Mm-hmm. And then God brought all the animals. Um, well, two of every type, two of, of every unclean and six of every clean. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Brought them to the ark. They entered. God shut the door. Um, there was a huge flood, world flood. And he preserves that ark. As, and then as after, yes, mm-hmm. after after a great deal of time, 
um, the the waters of the earth re, uh, receded. There it is. That's there it. Receded, mm-hmm. and Noah exited, and all the animals, and and there was kind of a restart. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so that's the big picture. But but um, we want to ask a couple questions, and and what are those questions for us today, Billy? Well, I think when you read this, I think the average person, myself, you, other people, when they read this, some things come in their mind. Did this happen? And if it did happen. How did this happen? Yeah. And since it, if we believe that it did happen and we process through how it happened, then we need to think, since it happened, you know, here's some other questions that yeah. I have about God. Yeah, some since implications. This, since all this, since this did happen. So mm-hmm. I think the first thing would be, did it even happen? Yeah. And there's a lot of people that deny the idea of a global flood. I mean, it is you know, it it wouldn't take us long to find um, resources of and and quotes from individuals who say, "Nah, this this is just a fable. It's just a myth. You mm-hmm. know, there's no way that this happened. Um, how would the earth be covered by water? How would these animals be brought to mm-hmm. the ark? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of skeptics and deniers who would who would claim this never happened. Right. It it is one of the one of the uh, focal points of people that do not believe in scripture that they would attack this area. They would yes. attack the flood. They attack, they attack the resurrection, obviously. Right. They would attack uh, Jonah, the book of Jonah. There's sections that they, they zero in on. This is one of those. Yeah, it sure is. And and listen, there's no doubt the first 11 chapters of Genesis are some out-of-this-world um, accounts. Mm-hmm. I mean, creation, fall, the flood, Babel. I mean, these are... These are mind-blowing events. These are world-changing events. But that doesn't mean that the God of the universe who made them all couldn't have superintended this. Mm -hmm. And if you ask the question, did this happen, one of the problems we have in answering that is, how do you find a witness? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is an event that happened at least 6,000 years ago, okay? And there's no there's no history books where, where witnesses have written down the events of what, what occurred. So, so where do you go for evidence? Where do you go for evidence on the reality of this event? Well, one, one place that people would go is they would try to find scientific evidence. And unfortunately, that's going to come up. If you, if you really zero in on it, you're going to come up short because you're not going to find the answers that you're looking for. Yeah. Now there are certainly there's circumstantial evidence. Not saying that there's plenty of not. I'm not even saying I'm not saying that there's not plenty of scientific evidence and and historical evidence of yes. this. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. And I'm I would saying, go to if you, if you could go to organizations like Answers in Genesis Institute for Creation right, Research. Right. They they have there's a wealth sure, of information. Sure. And we might we might actually reference a little bit of that later. Evidence but, is in support of a global right, flood. Right. But that's not going to take away. All the need for faith in what God has told us. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then you could look at societal evidences. I mean, for instance, there are multiple cultures and and people groups who all have a very similar flood narrative Mm -hmm. in their in their ancient history. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Is could that not be because it really happened? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that'll be the section of how did it happen? You know, to be able to look into that here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but are we answer? What's the answer to the question? Did it happen? Well, my question is, what did Jesus believe? Mm-hmm. 
what did the Lord Jesus Christ believe about the flood? If, if Jesus believed that the flood really occurred, that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. I want you to read for us Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 and following there. It says, as it was in the days of Noah. Who's talking here? This is Jesus speaking. These are this red letters. Jesus, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is Jesus speaking here. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. How many away? All of them. All away. Mm-hmm. And so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 24, right. verses 37 to 39. Jesus had a historical view of the flood, did he not? He, it wasn't, this is not a fable or a story he's saying. He is looking back, giving a historical account, saying, just like this historical account happened, so it will be, and he's making his point about the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. 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 So, Great point. So you're saying... You know, we could look, you could, you could try attempt to look other places, but did it happen? Yes, it did happen. Why? Because biblically we find evidence for it. We find substantiation for it in the Bible, not through science, but we find it through the Bible. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, even the Genesis seven account where it's described just briefly, I want to mention this in Genesis seven eleven, it says in the 600th year of Noah in the second month on the 17th day of the month. Yeah. It, it specifically tells us a, a date. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a myth. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a fable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you might say, you know, in a land, land far away, and, mm-hmm. you t- and you tell some, you know, story. But when, you're, when, when the Bible here gives a day, a specific day, and a specific month, and a specific year, it's evident that, that the record here is not saying this is some grand story that we want to tell you. Mm-hmm. This is a true account. Mm-hmm. So did it happen? Jesus thought so. That's yeah. enough for me. Yeah. And documentation in Scripture. And that is where we fall as a church. As people listening to this podcast, we, we hope and pray that, that this is your foundation, is God's Word. Because we're not scientists. We're biblicists. That's right. We put our trust in, in God's Word. And in God did not design his word to refute all scientific evidence, but yet we can find plenty of that in, in Scripture. And it is true. And it, Yeah, it's true. But the overarching theme is that we're biblicists that just happen to have evidence in science. And, and, and the reason why I say it's true, now that might, that might sound obvious that we think that, but, but here's why I threw that word in there. What that means is when we say that the Bible is true and is without error, that, that means God doesn't tell us every single detail, but what he right. tells us is true. Yeah. Like I could say to you, you know, I went to the store yesterday. That, that might, that, that's true. I'm mm-hmm. not telling you what kind of vehicle I was in. I'm not telling you what I was doing there. I'm not telling you what time it happened. Yeah. Okay. So I don't have to tell you every single piece of the information mm-hmm. in order for me to be speaking accurately. Mm-hmm. So that gets That's to a our, very good illustration. Yeah. And very that gets to our second question. The yeah. first question was, did it happen? The second question is, how did it happen? Yeah. I mean, well, we have to return to scripture mm-hmm. in that. And we go to Genesis 7, 11 and 12. You read the first little part right. of it there. It says in the 600th year of Noah's life in the seventh 17th day in the second month on that day. And here's a little bit of description of how it happened. Here's how it happened. On that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth 
and the floodgates of heavens were opened and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So there's a description. Now, does that answer every single question? No, but it tells us how God did it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does this mean that the fountains of the great deep burst forth? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I can take some, some guesses, you know, and certainly scientists, Christian scientists who believe the Bible have, have gone to great effort to try to explain what this might've been. Yeah. Yeah. But even when I think of that fountains of the great deep burst forth, uh, I don't know why this, my mind goes to this, but I also think in Job where God gives all these questions to Job saying, were you there when I did this, when I did that, when I did this, one of the things he says is, uh, when the springs from deep, I'm going to paraphrase, deep in the ocean, underground springs, when I created those, and they didn't even know that that existed Hmm. until just a couple hundred years ago. Right. Um, So there's truth in scripture without us having verification through science, although that is one example of it. But here when I say, when it says the fountains of the, this is the ESV, the fountains of the great deep burst forth, that is... A very quick description of something that was completely volatile. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got the fountains of the great deep. The windows of the heavens were open. This is God it, speaking here about a world that is very different than what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. So something happened where water from within the ground came out mm-hmm. and water from the sky came mm-hmm. down and then it rained for 40 days and mm-hmm. 40 nights. Mm-hmm. So the destructive power, I had a teacher in college and he, it was very difficult for him to try to explain to help college students comprehend the amount of destructive force that was going on at that moment with the lower firmament or the, you know, what it would say in Genesis, the waters from the deep bursting forth out of the ground, causing just massive amounts of violence and volatility. And plus the heavens coming down and crashing down. Mm. I mean, it was something that we don't truly are capable of understanding to recognize the depth of this destruction that was going on during the flood. So we talked about, did it happen? And we looked at what Jesus had to say. And then we asked the question, how did it happen? And we just read that passage from Genesis 7 and said, this is all that we really know. Mm -hmm. So I think when we come back after a break, let's let's talk about this. Since we know that it happened, what does that tell us about our God? And what does that tell us about man? Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a good place for us us to pick up. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a break real quick and uh, grab a cup of coffee or uh, take care of something and then come on back and we'll be here waiting for you. So we'll be right back in a couple minutes. Centerpoint Bible Church exists to point others to Jesus Christ in His Word, and we want to encourage you to come out and visit us sometime. We're presently meeting at Faith Christian Academy Our service is at 9.30, and our focus hour starts at 11 o'clock. You can get information on our website at centerpointwv.org. Thanks for listening, and we pray that you would seek after Jesus. Well, hi, everybody. We're back. We're talking about the, the global historical fact of the flood that's happened in Genesis 6, 7, 8, maybe even even in a 9. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've just, we're talking about, did it happen and how did it happen? And now, if we understand 
and believe and trust and put our faith in that it did happen and how it happened, we can move along to really asking some questions about ourselves and questions about God. Yeah. You know, before we get into that, though, Mm -hmm. I just got to ask you, have you ever seen the Grand Canyon? I have. I, wow. Back in the in the late 90s, I was able to travel up and down Arizona. Uh-huh. And uh, it's interesting you say that because we jumped into a boat and and traveled by boat the first couple miles of the Grand Canyon where it began. It's either Glen Canyon Dam or Page Canyon Dam. I can't remember where it is. North of Arizona. Let me Very, say, before you, before you get your story, just... Yeah. If, if you've never seen the Grand Canyon, if somebody is listening and they haven't got a chance to see it yet... I just saw it a couple years ago. You know, mm-hmm. I was a 45 or so the first time I saw it, and it took my breath away mm-hmm. when I saw that. It it is so vast. I mean, it is this huge hole in the ground. When I saw it, the immensity of it was so great, I could not comprehend it, even though I was staring yes. at it. So tell it, us that story about the, where well, what you experienced. Well, there. when we jumped into the boat, we went down to this thing, got in this little uh, inflatable boat and stuff, and they had a, a national park guide giving us all this information, and it was only like eight hundred feet high, but then it just became massive. But we re- went on the on the river, and the, one of the first things the guide said was, "It took millions of years and." small amounts of water millions to, of millions years. and millions of years and small amounts of water to carve out what we are seeing in me i was in college at the time and i was like, i raised my hands like well wait a second are you sure it took millions of years and a little bit of water what about a whole lot of water over a little bit of time like maybe like a, a huge flood or a massive yeah. amount of water coming through cutting through it and they quickly dismissed me as a as a young uh, snot-nosed college student and uh, went along with their millions of year theory. But I mean, go out in your yard if you've got a if you got a hill, the other side of your house that's got dirt on it, and and take a eyedropper, uh, a water dropper, and just drop a drop on the on the hill for you know the next twenty five years and see what that does. Or get your hose, yeah, put a nozzle on it, walk out there and just spray it on the ground. You know, you'll see what we're talking yeah. about. Well, here. evidence of that is clear and we have actual physical evidence of that through Mount St. Helens eruption. Yes, yeah. And within just just a few hours of the eruption of Mount St. Helens, it created a a 140th scale model of the Grand Canyon yeah. just within hours through mm-hmm. the lava flow and such. Right. And people go to that and examine that and that really uh, takes away the validation that they say for a little bit of water over millions of years. Well, but, and our in our point here is we, we we're just trying to say that there is evidence you might call it circumstantial evidence but there are there are things we can observe there are observations we can make from from what we see here in the earth that reveal that there that a global flood yeah. would be one way that you could explain right. what we right. see and and as we said earlier we stand on being biblicists not trying to be scientists yet there is science and there is archaeological historical evidence that gives validation to a global historical flood. And that is found, well, I was just looking, researching Institute of Creation Research. It has an article about nearly every culture having a tradition of a global flood. Mm. Over 200 of these different cultures from all over the world, all over the landscape, have a similar uh, account in their history of a global flood. And many, you know, it's, nothing is 
perfectly in line, but there are huge amounts of similarities to it. There's a favored family. They were forewarned. The flood was due to wickedness. There's a catastrophe only as a flood. The flood was global. And let's just understand all these these things. These different cultures, be they in China or India or Papua New Guinea or, Mm -hmm. you know, the the Middle East area, all we're talking thousands of years ago, they aren't they aren't communicating with one another and right, saying, right. tell me about your exactly great right. your global flood. <laughs> yeah. That's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. This, this, this story, this account of this worldwide flood is independently, organically happening within each of these cultures mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. are completely separated from one another. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to look at that and conclude that it's a coincidence that every single one of them came up with this story independently of one another, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or that this thing really did happen. Mm-hmm. And through the, 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 the history of time, time through the migration of people, yes, yeah. setting up a different culture in these oral societies, they mm-hmm. hand down this story and now they have this, this global flood mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we have God's word that records for us exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the theology of this a little bit. So in Genesis six, we already read this once. But it says, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So this brings up some questions that we probably ought to try to wrestle through for the next 10 minutes or yeah. so. You know, you could spend a lifetime doing this, but, but we'll, we'll start into it. And, and that's these, these three questions. So God here is, is expressing his feelings about what has happened regarding the sinfulness of man. And the question I have is, or the question we want to wrestle with is, one, did God make a mistake? Mm -hmm. Did he make a mistake in the creation of man? Number two, is God angry at at humans? And number three, did God regret what he had done? I think those questions will, will easily come out of if you're reading it, if you read it for yourself, if you're listening and you're reading this, these are questions that you you'll generate in your own mind. Like what's mm-hmm. what's going on here? What you know? So we're gonna try to we're gonna try to explain it as best we can and help you understand it so that you can have more faith and trust in what God's plan is. Well, and the word that really gets us is it says in verse six that the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth. That word regretted is is an interesting word, and it, it kind of trips us up because mm-hmm. I mean you regretted throwing that cassette tape or whatever right. it was that landed mm-hmm. on Brock's leg, yeah. okay? And so when you say you regretted it, what it means is if you could go back in time, you would undo it because right. it was a mistake that you made. That's right. You made a mistake and you threw that. So that's how mm-hmm. we use this word right. regret. And so we take that and we think we apply that to God and obviously God must have Made a mistake. Did he make a mistake? And so Mm -hmm. all these questions are kind of, you know, rolling together into one. Let me say a word about this word regret here. Okay. Now it's, it's from a Hebrew word and, and it means, it literally means to groan. So -hmm. think about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. now when you threw that cassette deck or what, what was it? I keep saying cassette, cassette case. Okay, thank you. Filled so it wasn't with a deck. Filled with cassettes. <laughs> thank you for keep bringing that up. Yes, it was a cassette. I it was I had a Victrola and back in my in my dorm room, you know. So when you threw <laughs> it, you might have groaned. Mhm. Oh. Okay. I actually screamed out after it hit. 
I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. and you made a mistake. Yeah, but that was me making a mistake right. of doing that. Mm-hmm. So this word means to groan or to pant. It means to grieve, to to lament. It means to console oneself. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I just want to posit the whole idea here that God wasn't saying, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. I think what he's saying is, I'm hurting over what I'm seeing mm-hmm. my creation do to itself. I, I think a better illustration, instead of me throwing the cassette case, okay. would be, uh, think about if you're listening and you have some children and you're raising them and you're teaching them and you're instructing them, and then they go out and they do something that will hurt them, will, that is not good for them. Okay, let's and, make this child you're talking about like a teenager, not a five-year-old. Okay, yeah, okay. okay let, so let's they're, say they're making decisions that... They, they have the ability to make a decision, yeah. and you're watching this, you're allowing this, and they make a decision that you know is to their detriment. Let's even make a better, let's make them an adult. Let's make them like 20, okay? Okay, and okay. So, now they are free to make. I mean, they're right. they're adults. You've, yeah, you've released them. They're they are an adult. They're on their own, and they do something that you see. This is not good for them. Yeah. This is a. This is they're going. They're taking a right instead of a left in the, in the path of their life, and it is going to turn out badly. You, as the parent or the authority. You would groan over that because yeah. of your love for your child. I've heard people use the expression, it's like I'm watching a train wreck in slow motion. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so they, they, know, yeah. they know that their child, or whoever this is that, that you love, you know they're making a decision that's going to be their own detriment. And you grieve over that. You... You groan yeah, over that. As as someone who loves that child or that person, you know, you hurt over that. Do you regret it? I mean, you regret what they're doing. Yes. But mm-hmm. if they're your child, you don't regret their existence. Right, right. And I think that that comes into what the Hebrew yeah. translation of yes. that of that word is, is to groan over. It's not, it doesn't say, it doesn't add in their mistake it ha- it adds more of uh, a feeling, yeah. a feeling that they have. Right. If you, you could stop, you know, let's let's suppose that you know, in that moment, wherever the, whoever this parent is that's watching their their adult child, you know, like a a train wreck in slow motion. Okay. Mm-hmm. If let's just pretend world here, time stops, and you said to that parent, right now, if you could go back in time and not have that child, they don't exist. Would you take it? No, they wouldn't take it. No, they wouldn't take that at all. They love their child. They're hurting that they're doing this. And so they regret that it's happening, but they don't regret the existence of their child. Mm -hmm. They love them. Mm -hmm. They're groaning. They have pity. They're consoling themselves. That's another thing this word means, Mm -hmm. console oneself. It's, you know, I'm hurting with them, but... But there's nothing I can do. It's their decision. I've given them a free will, and and they violated me. They've they've rebelled against me, but I still love them. So what you're so as you take that illustration and bring it back to scripture, mm-hmm. um, then you're saying that God, although He destroyed the earth, He still loved humanity. Yeah. He loved humanity. I would say even and he loved the he, humans. Yeah, he loved all those that were, that yeah. were there. He loved yeah. them. And he kept a, 
he kept humanity. It's not as if he just wiped them and said, I'm done with all humanity because yeah. he has a plan. Right. And when he said it in the, he let this plan and man is the one that has chosen to sin, Adam. Mm-hmm. Man is the one that is taken their freedom and used it for evil to the point where Genesis 6, 6 comes in, where they were doing evil all day long, mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And so he sees that, yet he still loves them so much that he keeps, he keeps Noah and his family. And I'm trying to look at the passage here. Hopefully I can find it. Um, it says, but in verse eight, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. And so the promise that God had made, clear back in Genesis chapter three, is going to be continued. So did God make a mistake and try to correct it? No. Man made a mistake. That's exactly right. We are the ones that are responsible for our, for our sin. Mm-hmm. We are to be held responsible. We are held responsible. Thankfully, our responsibility has been laid, laid on Christ. And that, that punishment has been laid on Christ, and he took that punishment that we deserve because we are the ones that caused this, have sin in our life, and he is the one that took it for us. And our English transla- translations say that God regretted it, but I think now we understand a little better what that means. He grieved over it, mm-hmm. um, and it's, you know, it's really the Lord trying to help us to understand his emotion. Okay, he doesn't have emotions like we do. He doesn't have thoughts like we do. But he's trying to communicate to us in a way that we can understand. Right? Do we want to throw out that big old word? What? Which one is that? Anthropopathism. <laughs> Man, Billy. Anthropopathism. That's a million dollar word. What does yeah. that even mean? Anthropopathism is, uh, and it is, giving human passions and emotions to God. To, and to try to describe him in that way so that we can understand it. Right. Like it's ascribing to God these human emotions to give us a, a, a sort of a snapshot of the nature of God. Right. It's we're, like he, we're trying to describe the infinite. The, yeah. the He's not like yeah, us. Yeah. So we're trying to use terms that we could understand. Yeah. Like he grieved. Yeah. He emotionally grieved. He groaned. He has patience. Um, which is different than anthropomorphism, which is giving physical characteristics like we, he bends his ear to hear us. He puts his arm around us. So anthropopathism is, is giving these emotions and uh, ascribing, I think it's good, ascribing emotions to God mm-hmm. so that we can better understand who our God is. So mm-hmm. let's flash forward in time so we, as we get to the end of our podcast here. So, you know, some time goes by, we get to Genesis 9. And, and the waters of the earth, they, they uh, what's that word again? I just forgot it. Receded. Receded. Yes. Thank you. Like my hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If that helps. And, um, and God makes a promise to man. And the promise is, God says, I, I'm never going to do this again. I'm not going to wipe out man with a, with a global flood mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And he gives a sign of that promise. Mm-hmm. And that is? He hangs his war bow up in the sky. Not rainbow, war bow. We call it a rainbow, but it's a sign of him to not not going to war, taking that and sign, putting it and making a peace sign in the sky. Yeah, the rainbow of peace that promises that God won't handle man's sinfulness in this way again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wiped out man. Yeah, all but all but a few, and instead, what he will do is he will wait patiently 
to to allow his wrath over sin to be poured out on his son. Hmm. When that we need to we need to allow the weight of that yeah. to to hmm. land on our shoulders so that we can praise God in a more informed way. Mm-hmm. You know that before the flood God God wiped out man, his wrath mm-hmm. was God angry over sin? Yes. He was. Mm-hmm. And his wrath brought destruction on the earth. But now his wrath was stored up for his son. Mm-hmm. Going forward from Genesis 9 all the way to the Gospels. And now looking back, God places his wrath on his son, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just the thread, the common thread throughout all scripture that points us to Jesus. This is another example. Genesis, even the flood, points us to Jesus. You know, he's not willing that any should perish as it was in the the flood, but all come to a saving knowledge of him. And that's through his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's that's 2 Peter 3, and that's something good to remember. Well, you know, as we work through the flood, we hope that you've gleaned a little bit more understanding of, of God, of yourself, in God's historical account that he gives us, he gives us enough that we can look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and, and strive to be like him. Well, thanks for tuning in. And if you miss anything, just check out our, our podcast show notes on centerpointwv.org. Click on the podcast section and, and our specific podcast. And uh, hopefully that'll help you out there. And just want to remind you that we're nothing fancy at Centerpoint Bible Church, but we strive to be real just like Jesus is.